Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the U.S., but sometimes they venture out. With everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live person interviews to actual fieldwork sneaking in some science lessons, there's sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn. Hey there, all you cool cats and kitties. I'm the great and powerful mystery. And I'm the Smithsonian Billy Bones. And together we're a couple cool cats from the corn. This week to talk to you about some good old-fashioned bone thievery. Mm, from our friends and my work, former work, current workplace, the Smithsonian Museum. It's where I work. My name's Billy Bones. I, Jay's not here today. For right now. You're not even changing your voice anymore. Millie Bone is here. I forgot about the the voice. This is and Billy's back now. Billy's in the house. Do you want to restart? Nope. Okay. <laughs> All right. This week has For- been is this week's topic is been hinted at for probably since season one. It's came up tons. Tons and tons of times. It seems like every time a cryptid is discovered, there's a carcass, a giant grave is found, Bigfoot's dead. The Smithsonian is always like attached to the story. And then after that, it's like, and then the carcass was misplaced. The bones were never seen again. Well, I'm sure they're doing research and studies on it. And taking good care of these things. Have you ever been to the Smithsonian before we get into this episode? Nope. This is probably going to be a little bit of a longer episode than we normally do. Where is it? DC. It is? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, the mall. Going to the mall. The, no, the National Mall. Oh. National Mall? I thought that was in Minnesota. No, no, you're thinking of... Oh, mall, that's Mall of America. Yeah, Sorry. You're thinking of very different things. Different mall. The mall is like the big grassy park in DC. Oh. Um, on the very end of it is the Smithsonian Institute. I don't think we went... Maybe we went there in D.C. when we went on like a yeah, school I'm field sure trip. Did. But I don't remember it. Uh, you can, uh, D.C. normally... The, our D.C. trip for Ada normally includes at least aviation or aerospace museum and the natural history museum. Hmm. I think we... The museum 
of natural history. We may have went to that one. That sounds familiar. But mm-hmm. we went to a Holocaust museum too. Yeah, that's a different thing. Well, obviously. I mean, that's a not that's not associated with the Smithsonian collection. Right, right. I knew that. I'm okay. just saying for the school trip. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know if we went to Smithsonian. I'm 100% sure you did. Really? At least two we went two of our days. Really? Is that big? Shoot, I just can't remember. Cuz we did aerospace like we had to do aerospace. Hmm. And then uh then we had free day for the Smithsonian. I did natural history. I got a trilobite fossil somewhere, big one. Well, I, I lost a lot of brain cells when I fell and hit my head, so I don't remember I'll have that stuff. Is that why you're bald? No, gravity took effect. <laughs> All your hair migrated. To I my can't grow chin. a beard. Jay has a really nice, like, well-manicured beard. Just rub oil in it. Mm-hmm. Oil. Mm-hmm. Penguin oil, specifically. Yep. But yeah, so Smithsonian is like a... Uh, so basically, imagine... I don't know... Listeners, if you've actually been to the Smithsonian or not, before we get into this episode, I will say, you know, go go to the Smithsonian, like the actual, like the buildings and stuff. It's a fun day trip, especially if you got a family and stuff like the, the actual museum part mm-hmm. is very entertaining. You know, it's very informative. Uh, my favorite thing was some of the wacky taxidermy in the Natural History Museum. Oh, really? Because uh, I got some from, like, the 1700s. Oh, so it's, like, really worn down? We, the wacky, like... So a lot of times what people don't understand is, like, when they got animals, they just send back the pelts and the taxidermists had to... Figure it out. Yeah. Like, there's the famous one in the British History Museum uh, that's a walrus. But the oh, taxidermist yeah. had never seen a walrus, so he thought all the wrinkles were from shipping. Yeah. And he made it, like... It was, like, the size of a small gray whale. Like, blew it up, yeah. Biggest walrus ever. Mm-hmm. And the guy that sent it back finally came back like four years later. He's like, that is not what they look like. Yeah, that's nuts. Do you think they would have come accompanied with a picture or something or a drawing? You're depiction. talking early 1800s. Like a lot of these. Well, not like camera photo, but at least a well illustrated drawing of. I mean, most of the time it was these British collection like things were just, you have a little description. Mm-hmm. Big blubbery animal. Yep. Not enough. Big, large seal. Giant I zeppelin. I will make. A large seal. Yeah. Like, there's a famous one in the British History Museum, the lion with the human teeth. Oh, my gosh. And then like, the eyes are facing forward. Really? Like, straight forward like a person. Yeah. And it's freaky and it scares kids. Probably. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, if you get the chance, go to the Smithsonian. Because I know we're about to really attack the Smithsonian here in the next hour and a half-ish. Now, Billy Bones, Billy Bones is back. and That would be Jay Wilbur. Is personally attacking the Smithsonian. No, never. I would never do such a thing. I will give his address on here if I need to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Let's not do that. (laughs) He actually lives in the barn, not the main house. No, I live in uh, (laughs) the bottom of a pond. I live in a hole. Yep. A hole in the bottom of the sea. Anyways, uh, so do you have any preamble before... Yeah, um, Smithsonian, um, legit organization. You know, they do nothing wrong. They hide nothing. Um, good good quality <laughs> good quality institute to have within our borders. I forgot to do the normal preamble. We're so professionals. Oh. Uh, Patreon. We have cool episodes come out on there. Oh, yeah. We're planning camping trips, Bigfoot and camping trips. Patreon members get first pick. Meet and greets with uh, our conferences and stuff. Or whenever we got scheduled time yeah, in. Yeah, we You're go in the area. meet and greet our Patreons all the time. Well, all the time. We've done it twice now. All the time. All the time. Uh, 
but yeah, it's you know, Patreon gets like first dibs on a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And like we're doing in November, we're doing a meet and greet with patrons at the par- at the Road Trippers Museum uh, in Somerset, oh, Kentucky. Yep. yep. So that'll be a Patreon thing. Uh, but yeah, t-shirts are for sale like always. Uh, join the Facebook group. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, I think like, s- share, subscribe. Oh yeah, smash that share button with the likes and like your uh, comments and uh, I forget how whatever thing. I don't know. I think that's it. We're not good with the marketing side. Right. Yeah. We just like to talk about bone, big bones. And Wait. thank you, Andy, for sending me the meme. Everybody will see the meme when this episode comes out. Check the Facebook page. All right, Jay. Now we're going to get into Billy, the castle, the the castle. So the castle is the main part of. So it was the original building for the Smithsonian Institute. Okay, it started as the castle. Yeah. So this building looks tiny compared to all the other uh, museum buildings uh, now because they're monstrous. Does it look like a castle? Or yeah, did it? It really looks like a castle. It's still there. Okay. It's their headquarters. Okay. All right. So the in many ways, the origins of the Smithsonian Institute can be traced back to a group of Washington citizens who, being impressed with the importance of forming an association and promoting useful knowledge, bum, 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 met on June 28, 1816 to establish the Columbian Institute of Promotion of Arts and Science. Hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Um... On the surface, it just sounds like good intentions. Oh, yeah, sounds good. It's good, yes. good. And we are, Billy here at the Smithsonian, um, we always have the best intentions for you. Um, you're going to you're gonna have to drop the Billy thing, because I'm going to need Jay on a lot of this. Well, Jay's back. Okay, I'm gonna, I will give Jay's address if he doesn't stop being Billy. Come on, Billy. Billy Bones. It's in Hardin County. That's enough. Just down from Ferguson's. Yeah, that's okay. That is, <laughs> uh, yeah, cut that out. <laughs> I didn't say anything. You know how many things in this county are called Ferguson's? It's four. Yeah, so there you go. You pretty much just narrowed it down. <laughs> It'll be okay. Mm. They have my address. It'll be okay when, uh, you didn't, you're not, you, your house didn't have a package when you came home on the front step. Well, true. All right. Uh, but it was a great package, but you know, it could have been a bomb. That's what she said. All right, so where was I? The castle. Okay. So they were granted a charter by Congress on April 20th, 1818. The charter expired in 1838. Uh, I have a whole bunch of these guys. Basically, they got a charter to form this institution. Okay. Um, Operating expenses were originally covered from just a $5 yearly dues collected from each member, and there's like 25 members. Okay. But yeah, so it's not a it's not a federally run institution. It was federally granted at this point. Federally granted. Yeah, but not... they have a charter that they use the federal name. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yes, kind of. This is a long, long. This is almost two hundred years ago. Right. This is over two hundred years ago. Okay. Uh, so it's a little different. Okay. Like you know, the U.S. government was like six guys, <laughs> and most of them are farmers. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, very different. Like, yeah, we want to create this institution for arts and sciences. 
Okay. Here's and, five bucks. And we want you to help us, you know, maintain it. No. You imagine that's how it went down. Your farmers just sit on the like podium, like. Remember what happened last time? An artist was denied. Oh my gosh, we can't talk about that on this page. Okay. The institution per, uh, proposed a number of great undertakings, including you know the botanical gardens, uh, the capital uh, um, on the Capitol Mall, the mineral production. It, it they did all kinds of stuff. Uh, so the Smithsonian definitely had its origins in a lot of the science stuff. The art stuff was always there, mm-hmm. but the science stuff you read you read about was really a. Uh, was it just like like the natural sciences and stuff? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like so, like the mineral thing, they helped manage the whole U.S.'s mineral deposits. Wow, yeah, they did a lot. Like, okay, so you could see a forming of maybe a way to get more power. Ah, you mm. start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a lot. So, beginning eighteen twenty-five, weekly sittings were arranged uh, during the sessions of Congress for the reading of scientific and literal. Productions by the Smithsonian. Interesting. Uh, so basically, yeah, they got in the door. Like, so the Smithsonian really started from a couple guys that wanted to preserve science, useful sciences and arts. Mm-hmm. And really quick, so this the, the U.S. government didn't have a lot of places for this yet. And really quick, the Smithsonian started working its way in. Uh, and I don't know what the, the turning point was. But so right now, they have weekly or sometimes twice a week sittings in front of Congress to give their scientific reports for the country. Now? Right. No, I'm saying during this time. Oh, okay, okay. Um, they were in control of, like, mineral deposits, all kinds of stuff. So we're going to jump. Uh, well, the museum is contained, you know, specimens of geological, botany, archaeology, fossils, et cetera, et cetera. The Sony Institute uh, basically... Then it started putting on the front of actually making these big collections to, for people to come look at. Hmm. When did that start? Uh, 1838. Okay. Uh, well, now that the chapter expired, uh, the, the first original charter expired. Uh, but in its spirit lived on the National Institute, which was established two years after. So it changed names. Maybe that's the point in which... The, change, the transition happened because it was like viewing all these things that it was starting to get control of. And it was kind of weird. It didn't seem like it was getting control of them on purpose. It was just almost It was like a them. bunch of guys that were scientists and artists and people that were really interested. Mm-hmm. And they kind of came to the government and they're like, yeah, you know, we'd really like to do this. And the government kind of, at that time, really didn't have a lot of people to do this stuff. Hmm. So they're like, yeah, we'll help you out, but we want you to manage this stuff for us. That kind of deal. The government said that? Yeah, basically. Okay. Because they, like I said... I think in this time, most government officials were like farmers and local business. You know, it, was, it wasn't it was the time of the great politician yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they just had all these stuff that were kind of thrown at them. Hmm. Okay. Uh, the, the minerals thing's a big one. Right. I mean, that makes sense. And you want to track that stuff. Yeah. Know? And I don't think anybody that originally started was like, you know, it was weird. It just is weirdly how it was formed. It was just kind of like... But they had a sitting with Congress. But then, once again, it was a lot different time. Like, you could walk up to the White House. Well, it was a different White House at that point. But you could walk in and just kind of hang out. Hmm. Yeah, that's a little bit different. Yeah. Like, you could meet the president. Like, today we could be like, you know, I'd like to meet the president tomorrow. And we drive down there. And you can't. Meet the president. Yeah, you can't do that now. Yeah. Because he was just sitting in his office. Shoot, and even nowadays, you can't even see the president. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so the British scientist James Smithson, hmm. or Smithsonian, hmm. it's Smithson, uh, left most of his wealth to his nephew, Henry James Hungerford. Hungerford? When Hungerford died childless in 1835, the estate passed to the United States of America to, uh, to found it at Washington under the name of Smithsonian Institute and established for its increase in diffusion of knowledge among men. So, yeah. So basically, it, Smithsonian was always small potatoes until this guy, Smith, Smith's son, died, left it to his nephew, and then he died childless, so all the money went to the Smithsonian. Which... Became which, the Smithsonian. Which is now under the... Him. Which, who owns it now, or who runs it? It's it's federal. It's federal now. Okay. It's always been federal. Kinda. Kinda. But now, officially after he died, it became fully... Yep. Hmm. No more family involved. Yep. So, fun, uh, Congress officially accepted the legacy banquet. And, you know, so basically they accepted the name, they accepted the donation. Mm-hmm. This is approximately uh, $500,000 at the time. 1830s. That's a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Well, I can tell you what it was last year. Okay. Uh, is well, it's it's roughly two hundred and twenty million dollars. Good lord, that's a lot. Yeah, there's probably yeah. So yeah, it was. That's a buttload. Yeah, this is. Yeah, you can see kinda. I don't want to lead anybody. That's why I'm kind of being more timid about this because I drew my own conclusions from this kind of original story. Right. You don't want to lead I'm the witness. I'm leaving a lot out too. There was a lot of bumps, like a lot of zigzags and stuff, like th- this guy's name, this guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once the money was in hand, eight years of con- or congressional haggling to ensure over the in- interpretation of Smithson's rather vague mandates. So he had a bunch of rules with the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and then it became the Smithsonian Institute after him. Interesting. So that's the... Rough origins. Okay. I, we could do three hours on how the Smithsonian actually started. Right, yeah. Everybody at home, I'm cutting it really short and giving you the, the rough Bare of it bones. because that's not what we're here to talk Ooh. about today. Oh, we now we have a button oh. for that. Not that button. But this one's fun. That's, I I that's hit a, the wrong button. <laughs> that's the song that plays every time they make off with some new bones. <laughs> I can see them. It's a bunch like, of old white men just... In, in a car, like Carrying driving a bunch off. Of like, woo! All right. So, what do you got to say about the origins of the Smithsonian? Sound like a little bit of a slow burn, um, as far as it, was, it happened fast. What did I say? Uh, I mean, as far as uh, the government really uh, taking control of it. Eighteen sixty to eighteen thirty, and see, it kind of so twenty years. Yeah, and it it kind of was when our government was in infancy. Mm-hmm. And it kind of seemed like Smithsonian got to be a big player on accident. Ooh, either on accident or I don't think it was on purpose. Purpose without by designed appear by accident. I don't think it was on purpose. I really think it was a bunch like in its core, the original like twenty so members mm-hmm. really just wanted to preserve sciences and stuff. And then once this money got involved, yeah, I think a couple people took the advantage, took mm-hmm. the jump. And usually, when money's involved, there's reasons for that. But yeah, so when I talk about the mineral, like the minerals, like acquisition, not acquisition, basically, they just had a bunch of geologists and stuff like that that were like, "Well, how should we use these minerals appropriately? Because we can go out and strip mine everything, but mm-hmm. then we won't have anything." Mm-hmm. 
So that was kind of what the Smithsonian's big job was. Okay. Was like, yeah, use this much of this deposit, leave this deposit alone for till a later date. So it might have been like they seen the government, seen like this thing as a good thing, and it just quickly That's, grew. See, I don't know which way it went. Yeah. Uh, the government, I think, was dumping a lot of stuff on these guys in order for it to be federal. Mm. And then it quickly became that they had a lot of pull because they were controlling a lot of stuff on accident. Mm -hmm. It seems like both parties, one party was very eager to get its foundation going yeah. for excitement. You know, it was really excited. The other party saw this as a way to load off a lot of work that they did not know how to do. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, you know, it's really hard to imagine, you know, people, moder normal people in an right. office. N anymore now. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it almost impossible, you know. So Farmer these guys Joe. didn't know what to do. And so they sued, as far as the government saw an opportunity to unload some of its really pressing work. Interesting. Okay. And then the Smithsonian used the opportunity to grow its own foundation that it wanted to do. And then this big sum of money gets involved. And then it gets kind of hazy. And people die childless. Yeah. Well, I mean, he died at old age, it looked like. He lived a long time. Oh, okay. uh, oh he lived a really long time. He lived uh, 1765 to 1829. Oh, okay. That's a, that is a long time. Yeah. So he didn't die. I don't think there was any weirdness. Maybe. I just think he was old and... Sterile. Really liked art. Ooh, that's why he was childless. Hint, hint, wink, wink. I don't understand. This is a time where childless, unmarried men who really liked art... Oh, you're calling him gay. On the main show. Oh, sorry. I don't think that's offensive. Okay. But yeah. Anyways. See, oh yeah. I just think he was old and liked art. I could see that. That could make sense. And because not back then, you're not, um, well, obviously that wouldn't, I'm talking point about people. You don't really bring that up. People, what they do behind closed doors. But you don't typically see men grow to old age, childless, that love art, that are kind of very wealthy wealth exactly extremely wealthy and they don't have any heirs yeah that's weird yeah they don't so, have a wife they don't have you know a wife that's 18 16 years old you might be able to connect some dots yeah that's what i'm saying he had roughly 23 million dollars gotcha so or no, was it 20 yeah it was 23 million dollars yeah that's a lot yeah so it At he had his pick of women like nowadays yeah that's a lot all right so we're going to get into our conspiracies and controversies and weird stuff about the Smithsonian. Uh, I had a lot of trouble researching this section, and we talked about it off air. This has, most of the time we do research, I do research for this stuff, Jay. <laughs> there is not a lot to go. So it's a lot of digging to find the little bit there is. Okay. This was the exact opposite. Too, there too, was too much to dig and controversy and arguing about people that are calling out the Smithsonian. So there's not even one clear view of what the Smithsonian is being accused of. Hmm, muddy in the water. Right. Huh? And I don't I don't think they had to do anything. Everybody has their own idea of what the Smithsonian's hiding and stuff. And it's it makes it really hard to piece together because everybody's all these people it really reminds me we talked about before, the UFO community. Mm -hmm. Always everybody's fighting. saying that yeah, they're up to something. That's the Smithsonian's up to something. But you're dumb because you think they're hiding giants. I know they're hiding the truth about Jesus Christ made it to America. Yeah, something like that, yep. And 
it's like what okay what let's talk about why we think they're hiding something you know yeah so let's talk about why we think they're hiding something we're gonna i got a i got a pretty good list of stuff that has come to the Smithsonian collection and disappeared so so the biggest thing is that is that they get new entries new inputs uh stuff that comes into the collection uh and basically there is an entry card i forgot the word for it i had it yesterday i talked about it an intake card an intake form um whether it's something so they get stuff sent to them to be id'd uh i sent stuff to certain museums when i worked in fisheries to be id'd out okay some species are really hard to tell Mm -hmm. so you send them out to be id'd and the museum sends it back and the id gotcha okay because they have a collection where they can compare gotcha um and you know they have a person most time they have a person on staff that that's all they do expert yeah that's pretty much what it is okay uh so intake forms for either set, whether it's a permanent add-on to the collection or something to be ID'd. ID'd, okay. There's an intake form that gets filled out. The Sasonian has never been good, or super good, about when they say, no, we never took that in, about removing, like, hiding the intake form from everybody. Gotcha. Uh, the one story I'm going to tell you in a minute, they actually hand it back to him. To his copy. That, that would so, ask like, him? a graphite copy. Uh-huh. He brought in something, and they're like, here's your, your copy of the intake form so you can get it back later. Ah, and then they claim they didn't have it. They never. Well, it, we'll get to that story. It's weird. Okay. So this happens a lot and not just a lot. It happens like a lot. Yeah. And there's hundreds, hundreds of stories, newspaper articles where they say X Bigfoot body, X giant, you know, X hidden Native American artifact, X Egyptian artifact from the Grand Canyon goes mm. in the Sonian and then disappears. Mm hmm. And there's a track record, and then it just disappears. Uh, last week, we just did our times Bigfoot's been shot, yep. or claimed to be killed or shot at, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I, I bet you a fifth of them ended up at the Smithsonian. It, what it seemed like, there was like a little bit of a trail. That's where they were heading. Going right, yeah. And they never made it, supposedly. Supposedly, right. And the Giants thing. We're going to get into the Giants thing. We have a we have two episodes of this already like planned because there's so much on it. They just seem to lose stuff almost. And like we talked about, you remember what we talked about off air? Museums losing stuff. Yeah, they're just being like you don't touch something for I don't know fifteen twenty years, or you put it on the wrong shelf. Or yeah, that like we talked about. Uh, so like the fish museum in Columbus, that's not public. You can't go see it. It's a collection for uh, basically biological ID and stuff for like scientific that. study. Yes. Basically, uh, they have around five million specimens. Whew, that's a lot. Most of these specimens are under two inches long in a little jar. Whew. So what you do is okay. I'm looking for an eastern sand darter. Okay, it's just a little fish, <laughs> and it says it's on shelf seventy point one section C. Mm-hmm. So that's a little box. It could be in. You open that box. It's not there. You don't know where it is then. Yeah. Because there's millions of vials. Lost to the ether. Yeah, right. And that's what they, then they come back and like, no, we don't have it because it's easier. And it, because it's like, I'm not spending four years looking for this vial. Looking in every box. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why they end up with so many specimens because they get a new one then. Oh, okay. Uh, Because they're like, we don't know where it is. And you you can't look for it. Like you either know where it is or you don't know where it is. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or the janitors working extra long hours. But we're talking about very small specimens in this. You know, some of the ones we're going to get to today were giant. Okay. 
had to make sure I hit the right button. Yeah, good. You got that one. Uh, I was going to do the funky thing again. <laughs> uh, it's just... And then, if you want to call them cover-ups, they don't do a very good job. They don't lie. Uh, they just... Well, I guess not lie. They don't do anything elaborate. They cover their trail. Right. We lost it. Yep. That's it. Simple no, we enough. Didn't. I have to tell they say, no, we didn't take that in. Yeah. And people have their intake forms. Mm-hmm. And which, I mean, that's just a straight up lie, but it's the most simple one you can that's do. I guess that's more what I meant is it's no elaborate story of, you right. know, it's disappeared or it's been stolen or X museum has it most of the time. It's most of the time it's just, no, we didn't take that in. Right. And good luck looking for it because how are you going to find it? You, we're federal. You can't get a warrant. Exactly. Yeah. You, you can't. You have one piece of paper that says we took it in. So why not just use that excuse as much as you can? Because what are you going to do about it? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's 115 Google search pages of why that that excuse doesn't work. Oh, gotcha. Okay. We're going to talk about a giant bear killed in the 60s. Roughly the 60s. So this story has a couple variations. Uh, many of you probably already know it. Uh, a nearly world record or world record grizzly bear was taken in northern Canada by an American. He would so a 60s businessman. He was very well off wealthy. That's probably the only reason we know about this story. Mm. Is he had a little bit of money to fight back. Okay, gotcha. Uh, but he would fly his own plane out up into northern Canada and hunt bear. That's awesome. Just one thing he did. He liked doing it. He did it, you know, fairly often. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he would go very remote. He'd go to places people had never been at that point. Because uh, Canada, you, you get at, do you remember the name of the planes? That have the buoys on the bottom. Oh, the little the little water, the ones that land on Puddle water? Puddle jumpers. Pu- yeah. yeah. But I don't know what their actual name is. Oh, me either, for sure. But, but yeah, the, I know. The planes that can land on lakes is what he had. Mm-hmm. So he'd go in and land on a lake and go from there. That's sweet. So there's, you know, no, there's a good chance nobody's ever been in that area. Mm-hmm. He shot a nearly, oh, I can't remember how many pounds of bear now, but a gigantic, what he assumed was a grizzly. He had mm-hmm. a ticket to hunt a grizzly. That's what he thought he shot. Right. He gets to this thing, and it's like 3,500 pounds, 4,000 pounds, something like that. And it doesn't look like a grizzly when he gets up close. Mm-hmm. Brown fur, and it's a bear. But the face is shorter, taller skull, big, wider. It looks more pit bullish, big, heavy jaw, like more of a you know an animal that kills by biting. Yeah. Uh, grizzlies do hunt and eat, but they're not hunters. Like, that's not that most of their food source. Right. Uh, so he's, he takes a little bit of the pelt, bear meat in the skull. Uh, it was too big to take back. He had to leave most of it. Dang. I just, he, a little puddle jumper. Most of the time he just took the meat back. Right. Yeah. Uh, the meat in the, in the pelt. Yeah. But he actually took the skull this time. He gets the skull cleaned. Takes it to the Smithsonian. The, the guy, yeah, this is, the Smithsonian was very different back then. Uh, he, he goes in, he wants it ID'd. Uh, he's like, I don't think this is a grizzly. I think it's a hybrid. That's what he was kind of thinking. It was kind of maybe a polar bear hybrid. Because uh, he was in the books. He was getting ready to get his world record uh, spot. Right, yeah. And so he's like, yep. Uh, they, took measure- they took accurate measurements of the skull, gave him his intake form. And he kind of, uh, he's like, it'll be, a, you know, it'll be a couple weeks before anything. But, you know, just keep checking back in. That's what the front desk kind of guy says. Uh-huh. So he takes his intake form, goes away, gives it a week, checks in. Uh, nope, he, the, the, the the mammal guy hasn't had a chance to look at it yet. You know, he's got other stuff in, you know, ahead of yours. Like, fine, you know, whatever. 
two, three, four weeks, getting the same kind of story. Yeah. Not worried about it yet because like they, they told him it's going to be a while. Right, yeah. And th- this guy, there's probably one or two people at this point that are getting stuff sent into them from around the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe most time around the world. World, yeah. Um, so finally he gets kind of annoyed and he's going to take it somewhere else. And then they're like, no, we don't have it. Uh, you never brought it in. Yeah, right. And he has his intake form. He's like, no, this is the intake form. X signed it. Uh-huh. Like, oh, give us one second. And they're like, crap, we thought he lo- you know, he'd lose that paper by now. Right, yeah. Uh, actually, it's on loan to X Museum. And then he's like, why the hell is it on loan if it's not your part of your collection? Mm-hmm. Like, I accidentally went over with some boxes and stuff like that. So go over there and collect it. Go to that museum. No, we don't have it. X Museum has it. Goes to that museum. No, the Smithsonian actually has it. Goes back, gets this runaround. Never gets his bear skull. Never gets it back. Yeah. So later on, a a documentary came out, and I think it was early 2000s. Yeah. And they wanted to see this skull. And the guy's got a copy of the original intake form. And so the Smithsonian gives the guy the same runaround. Uh, but he's producing a documentary and TV show kind of deal. And eventually, he doesn't give up. He keeps going. And he keeps going and doing this good around. And it's three key museums plus the Smithsonian he's getting sent around to. Okay. Like they're all working together, kind of, with this story? Kind of. Yeah. I think when the Smithsonian tells you to, to give somebody the runaround yeah. when you're a little museum. You do it. You do it. Yeah. Because most of your exhibits that make you your money mm-hmm. are on loan from the Smithsonian. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's a big power thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you just have to do it. I don't know. You know, I'm not saying the other museums are evil or nothing. No, it's more of a survival thing. Yeah, exactly. Or I, I can't, no, no, it's in a different museum, you know, kind of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually there's something like, actually we do have it. We just found it. Um, uh, he's like, great. You know, let's see it. No cameras. He's like, we're not allowed to have cameras. You're going to go back in the room and look at it and blah, blah, blah. The skull is a normal grizzly bear skull. Mm. And it's about a third the size of the skull in the intake form. Yeah. And he kind of asked questions like, nope, that's it. There's the intake form with it. And they had a copy of the original intake form that had been modified. Mm. Uh, So that was it. That was the end of that story as of now. Yeah. It, what do you think? So that skull's never turned up. Oh, no, it's, you can, uh, uh, you can't go see it. The real one? No, the real one's gone. That's well, what I'm saying. That's conjecture. But the the one that the guy originally shot and killed and brought in, that one's never really turned up, has it? I don't think so. I don't think so. Right. I mean, this is just one of many stories. I was say, this is the taste. Yeah. This is not the scare. This is not like a bad one. No, right, right, right. The question is why um, hide? Why hide a bear skull? What's the point? Do you want me to go into that now? You know my thoughts. Yeah, I think so. But no, I'm just saying in general, you know, why would they even do that? Why would they give someone the runaround? Why? I just why in general? I mean, it's it's a skull. It's an animal skull. What's the big deal, right? You know. But it's so the theory is that this was actually he killed probably the last short-faced bear or cave bear mm-hmm. of northern or of North America. So let's let's say it is a short or short-faced bear. Let's just go cave bear or cave bear. We'll just say it is that. Let's say it is that 100%. Why hide it? Why? So they were supposedly died out, you know, around fifteen to 20,000 years ago. Was mm-hmm. And that was when they were really struggling. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been out the door for a long time. So as far as North America is concerned, the, the big idea, I know you hold this a lot, 
is that the Smithsonian and other institutes are using this to shape our knowledge and kind of history of this continent and of our views on the world. Right, yeah. Uh, you can only build your view of the world off of what you know. Yep, and if you control the past, you control the present. If you control the present, you control the future. Yeah. So the importance about, let's say, a cave bear, why they're important is the land, the Great Land Bridge that allowed mammals, large mammals into North America during the last Ice Age formed twice. Mm-hmm. The first time is when the animals like mammoths, giant ground sloths, smilodons, terror birds made the walk over. Okay. Supposedly. Yeah. You know, I'm pretty confident that they did at okay. that time. That's not the one that's conjecture in this story. Okay. Uh, but humans didn't, even though humans were in the area. That mm-hmm. was about 45,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. The second time it formed was around the 13,000-year-ago mark. And uh, humans walked over that time. Mm-hmm. The only difference is humans were about the same level each time, and they were in the area. They could have done it. The only difference is that cave bears, this is what modern science kind of blames it on. Why okay. we didn't walk the first time and we walked the second time. Okay. Cave bears, and this is accurate, uh, cave bears and short-faced bears were monsters to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were our apex predators, kind of. They loved eating people, and they were good at it, and we were not good at killing them. Mm, okay. Uh, these were one of the few animals that were just brick Be- powerhouses. Beasts. And they would come into a village, they eat everybody. Yeah. Kind of deal. So the Great Land Bridge was covered in them this first time it formed. Mm-hmm. We, we were pretty confident in that with fossil records and stuff like that. Tons of them. Not a lot of cover. Right. So it would have been the theory is that humans just couldn't do it. It'd be like, you know, a little golf player trying to run against an NFL football team and get through. Or just trying to run across a minefield. Yeah. it's You can't do it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the thought. And then the second time, they were almost either, they were either extinct or almost completely extinct. So it gave us the the edge to get across. Yeah. Uh, so why would so if we had a short faced bear or a cave bear make it into the modern era, mm-hmm. that would get rid of the thought that they weren't there. They when weren't we, there the second time. The second time we crossed. They would, if they made it into modern history, thirteen thousand years, they would have a sustainable, a, a very sufficient population. Of that t- at that time. If they were to still be around. If they were still around today. Modern day, yeah. Hmm. And which, yeah, I could see that. Then, so that's why they wouldn't want to display it or that show it. That is a thought. Or show evidence. I could see that being a reason why. Not necessarily my thought, but that is a, a leading thought. thought for why the Smithsonian would care about a bear. Because they don't care about everything. New right. species pop up all the time, they document. Mm-hmm. Giant squids proved the, or the first giant squid to prove the existence of sea monsters. Mm-hmm. True leviathans of the deep. Mm-hmm. And it opened the door for others. Right. That didn't matter. Because our ancestors were always talking about sea monsters. All the time, yeah. So what's another one? What's so, another one in the bucket, you know, versus the supposed monsters that kept us out of this country? The reason I can believe that theory is because, like, it kind of sh- reshapes our history. And I think that's the biggest deal with a lot of this stuff is shaping history. I, I knew that you were going to go for that. It's just because it's it's not a wrong way of thinking. It's not necessarily what I look at it all the time. But that is one thought for why they would hide a cave bear. It pokes a hole in the theory. It might be a small hole, but it, it pokes a hole. It's it's just, you know, it's one way of thinking about this thing. Mm-hmm. So any other thoughts on the, on the bear before we get into the wild ride? Mm-hmm. I got stuff for you you don't even know about. Let's get into that stuff. Okay. 
that I don't even know about. Test me. You don't know what's in this brain. A lot of hot air. So once again, before we get in the rest, I got a little blurb about the Smithsonian to remind you. Because we just talked a lot about conjecture. Does Billy Bones need to read no. this? I'm a representative of... But So this may not immediately be obvious to most people from the outside, but the Smithsonian is a branch of the U.S. government. It is federal. It has members. It has congressional members sitting on its board. It has... It, the U.S. government is in the Smithsonian are extremely intertied. Hmm. Not shocked. Just remember that. Uh, but, you know, so while it's not a regulatory agency, it is also immediately tied to the government and that it claims immunity from state and local uh, regulations. So the only way you can sue the Smithsonian is if the con- if Congress allows you to. <laughs> that ain't happening. If the Smithsonian comes to Ohio to grab a giant mm-hmm. and they tell the police, no, no, they didn't. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They didn't. Exactly. So I, I want to make that very clear for these stories. This is legal. This is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the rules that they have. They abide by, which are none. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then not only are that, they have the power to completely cover up. By They have the power over state legislation. They have the power over smaller legislations. That's very frustrating and it's angers I me. I didn't know that till this research. Hmm. How much actual power they have. The Smithsonian had. Hmm. Or has. That's has. Mm-hmm. Right now, if we dig up uh, some kind of new Native American thing in our backyard, they can come in and take it. And No questions And asked. they can tell you, no, you didn't. Right. You can't sue them. You can't do nothing. You, you can. You just got to get congressional permission. Which means you can't. You can't. Yeah. And they have both major parties on the board. And that's when you know there is a sign of... Uh, I thought that was really weird. A very big red flag, because in our country's history, um, it seems like bipartisan, uh, you, you know, mostly bipartisan bills that pass are not good for Joe Schmo. Mm-hmm. I day. thought that was really weird. It's very strange. And that nobody talks about this board. A lot of members of Congress are on it. I didn't know there House, was a board. Yeah. Like, that's the... Go- oh, okay. All museums kind of have a board. But, I mean, All government... If you ever see Institute, mm-hmm. it's a board. I didn't know it was, like, government uh, people on the board, though. Yeah, I know. That's they, what's weird. But, see, is it... Which way did it go? Did the, did the government... Like, we talked about in the money beginning. Did the government infiltrate the Smithsonian? Or did it go the other way? Sounds like the government infiltrated the Smithsonian. I kind of think it went the other way. Or, like, the government absorbed the Smithsonian... And using it as like their cover. I think when the Smithsonian got all the money, a couple of members of the original Smithsonian le- latched on and started pulling the strings. They ran all kinds of stuff. They ran all kinds of surveys. They had so much control. Yeah. I don't know. We'll get into it. Mm. All right. You ready for your first taste of the Smithsonian hiding giants? Oh, I'm ready for that bone marrow. I have an article for you. Okay. Readjusting my body. <laughs> giant skeletons found. And this is 1908. Uh, giant skeletons found. Cave in Mexico gives up bones of ancient races, is the title of this article. Mm. And this is uh, on the New York Times. Reputable at this time? At this time, yeah. I mean, the early 1900s, yes. I'll, I'll say that. You know, now it's whatever, but. Yeah. Uh, so Boston, May 3rd. Charles C. Clamped, who has recently returned from his trip in Mexico, 
where he has been in charge or in charge of Thomas W. Lawson mining interest, has called the attention of Professor. Oh, this guy's got a lot of S's and C's in his name. <laughs> Agassi. Agassi. I think it's Agassi. To uh, to a remarkable discovery he has made by himself. Uh, he found a, in Mexico a cave containing 200 skeletons of men, women, and children, each of, well, not children, but men and women, each above eight foot in height. The cave was uh, eventually, was evidently a burial place to the race of giants who attended the Aztecs. Mr. Clapp arranged the bones of one of these skeletons to be found, or, or one of these skeletons, and found a total length to be 11 or 8 feet 11 inches. I can't read. This is very blurry because it's been Xerox probably 200 times. Yeah. Uh, the femur reached up to his thigh, and the Myers were big enough to crack a coconut. Molars. Molars. Oh, gosh. That was like, okay. And the head measured 18 inches from front to back. Oh, that's a big noggin. That's like a bushel. Um, I'm sorry, I thought I was going to say like three bushels. May 3rd, the day before my birthday. Oh, yep. That's when that happened? When they... Yep. Okay. They, yeah. So that's when he, the New York Times ran the article. So, isn't that weird? But what's that have to do with the Smithsonian? Yeah, it was... I mean, they... We didn't what, say anything about the Smithsonian. No. What'd they do with the bones, he said? The guy... The guy brought one full skeleton back, because he left the other, like, 199 or whatever. Where they were. Where, where they, they were. were. Okay. Because he couldn't move them all. Okay. Um. But, yeah. But, you know, so the Smithsonian likes to use the phrase diffusing knowledge. Mm. Uh, so when would you ever want to do that? Coming from a government agency that's been infiltrating the course of history since the Euro- Eurocentric days of the manifest destiny. One might be skeptical about what kind of knowledge was spread and which power it served. Mm. So, yeah, Richard Duharst. The author of America, or the American giants who are the um, ancient giants who ruled America, points to a man named John Wesley Powell. Do you know John Powell? We've talked about him in another episode, and that, I can't think of where. Me either. I was just going to ask you. That name sounds familiar. John uh, Wesley he's Powell, the U.S. Director of Entheology in 1879. Of what? Who ran the Smithsonian in its uh, nascent years? It, he was. He was theology. What's that? I'm not sure. And theology? E-T-H-N-ology. E-T-H-N-ology. Mm-hmm. But a paper issued on behalf of the Smithsonian was issued to decree that no anthropomorphical, anthropomorphical research should be considered any talk of lost tribes henceforth while also describing natives as uncultural, savage, and lacking sight and higher intelligence. Wow. This is the guy that ran the Smithsonian. So he's our... Okay, we'll just pause there for a second. He mm-hmm. sounds very... Uh, not bigoted or biased, No, very but, white old scientist. Yeah. Where these just, people are just savages and they are us. To, they are ours to study. Ignorant, it sounds like. Um, and, but ethno, eth, ethnology is the study of the characteristics of various peoples and the differences and relationships between them. Hmm, there you go. That's the guy studying that, and he thinks they're just dumb savages. Exactly. So Keep in mind, he's talking about like people like the Native Americans at this point and stuff like that. That probably know, knew more than we even know today, I guarantee it, especially when it comes to nature and stuff like that, or just living life. Probably way more intelligent than, I'd say, the average Joe today. I would say so. It's, it's definitely weird, but... So back to that article. 
Uh, the guy worked. Um, it was one of the guys that worked after Powell. Uh, let me find it. Professor Agazi. Yes. He worked for the Smithsonian. Okay. And basically, later on, it came out that no, there's no giants. This was this rich businessman who was all excited to bring back his findings. Was like, he's like, no, he's lying. It's fake. It never existed. Mm, that's what. He, that's all he said. And yeah, it destroyed the guy's career. Like. Hmm. So what happened to the rest of the ones that was buried or whatever? Didn't exist. Didn't you just hear me? I mean, the... Gazi said it didn't exist, Jay. I know that, but, like, was there a location? Oh. No. Oh, okay. They were destroyed. Try My next article... No. No. Bone dust. Oh, just crushed. The Smithsonian loves its bone dust. Big wood chipper. Uh, Kind of like that. It's that thing you ever seen, like, people put, like, refrigerators in and it just eats it all up? Oh, yeah. The big, it's like that. The big, uh, yeah. The, oh, you put all sorts of... You ever seen the bucket of Orbeez they threw mm-hmm. in there? Pretty fun. So, moving on. The Smithsonian... Dis- this name of this article is so the Smithsonian destroys giant skulls and other bones. They don't... So, here's your answer to where they do with all this stuff. Okay. They immediately destroy it, so there's no proof of it. Man. So, you know, anything they get will never come out. That's, uh, that's like... I don't want to say demonic, but... It is, kind of. It's evil. It is, yeah. Uh, so looking back to all kinds of newspaper clippings dating back as late as the early 1800s, it is an early 1900s, the uh, same guy, Dewhurst, found a multitude of instances where civilians and citizens from disputing areas of the country were uh, uncovering massive bones. Basically, it happened all the time. We just talked about that. Seemingly human origin, human-ish, but giant. Uh, they would send them to the Smithsonian, who wasted no time in sequencing the bones. So they'd arrange them, allegedly bringing them to the museum for or research facility after, but which they were never seen again. So there's he's mm. he's this guy's personally found hundreds of cases where people find bones like, oh, this is neat, you know, we'll send it to the Smithsonian. Like that's uh, our contribution. Uh, this is when people were really actually thinking like, you know, somebody needs to see this. Right, exactly. And they sent them to the Smithsonian. The Smithsonian kind of cataloged them, and then they disappeared. Like Strange. we were talking about earlier. Strange. Like, there's this weird front of house, back of house kind of missing stuff. Mm-hmm. The front of house is, like, I think scared of the back of house, but they still do their job. Mm-hmm. And the back of the house literally eats these bones. Or even, there might be, like, just a big disconnect. They don't even communicate or something. Mm-hmm. They just... Like, oh, this is neat. I'll see this next year on, a, on an article. Yeah. Write my little paper and then send it on to the back of the house. And then it... And the back of the house... <laughs> yeah. They got a big uh, bone-eating slug back there. Mm-hmm. Just... Uh, so one could find instances of giant skulls and skeletons in local papers uh, in pictures to boot. There's a really lot of handfuls of these giant skulls pictures in the mm-hmm. late 1800s. Yep, there's tons of them. Mm-hmm. And there's a website, uh, I think it's called matthewsbible.com, if anyone's interested. Uh, newspaper, it's just full of newspaper articles of giants being dug up. Just, yeah. Just throwing that out there. So, take, for instance, the photos of the San Antonio press showing a giant skull next to two normal skulls for size comparison. I'm sure... You've seen that picture, haven't you? I'm sure I have. Ah, uh, there it is. I need the article. Okay. Yeah, I've seen that picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I actually have the newspaper article. I just showed it to Jay. Uh, it's easily double the size. Uh, this article is impossible to read, and it's... Oh, I was just saying, you, you want me to try to, or... Jay, there's no words. Like, it's... Oh, yeah, it's blob. all blurb, yeah. But you can see the picture. Yeah, it's neat. Um, and usually the skull shapes when they find them, it's not always like it's not it's an- not human. It's human like. Correct. It's it's not always it's not our same shape, but it's it's very 
It's it's I would say it's homo looking. It's hominid. Hominid, yeah. You can tell it's not human because it's it's got different measurements. It's got different features. They're normally mm-hmm. longer. The g- jaws are normally a lot wider. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Big, yeah. Sometimes it's like conical head shape too. Sometimes or, yeah, or you, like, you get the cone. Yeah, cone. Yeah, and some of those uh, cone ones have been found. You know how we have the parietal lobes and the occipital lobe and frontal mm-hmm. lobe, and they're separated in the skull because when we we're babies they weren't connected. Some of those skulls um, don't have any of those lobes. It's all one solid skull. There wasn't a sign of them ever fusing together or being separate when they were. It was just one piece when they were born, hmm. which is completely different from us. Just a little blurb to throw out there. Yeah, no, I'm really I find that interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also worth mentioning at this time period that skeletal remains were found from distinctly different from today. Uh, yellow yellow journalism was rampant even for some of the, the publications we might consider more esteemed or elite. I'm not quite sure what yellow journalism is. Do you know? Cowardly. Oh, let's find out. Religion was also a big dominating factor in many people's lives. And attempting to find literal incitations of biblical stories was highly sought after. Mm-hmm. This has also become one of the more prominent arguments against these accounts of uh, giants in the newspaper. Uh, they believe that people were creating counterfeit skeletons or confusing the bones of prehistoric megafauna and other large animals for that of human. Mm. Hoping they had found proof of the, in the existence of the Nephilim from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of like... Wait, who's saying that? Is that what the... No, it's the, the, the original, are... the Dewart. Uh, he's saying that that's kind of the argument. You know, you can mm-hmm. look at it one way, that the, these were before we could cover them up. Mm-hmm. Like these giant bones would pop up. You know, your local picture would get papers before the Smithsonian or somebody else would swoop in and take them. Right. Or the other train of thought, which I like that he does both, Yeah, is that, you know, religion was a lot more prominent in that day. So people are looking for news stories. Yellow journalism, I'm assuming he's making up news stories. Mm-hmm. We're looking for more of these news stories that targeted the religious aspect. And trying to capitalize yeah. on that. Basically, yeah. early clickbait. Yeah. Same stuff. Mm-hmm. Different, different face, same stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of what he's saying. There's that both arguments to that side. I can see that. There's always an argument to be mm-hmm. made. Makes sense both ways. I lean more towards the side of uh, these people are uncovering our history. Whether it be biblical or not, it's just human history or world history. Just our history in general. And, you know, that kind of breaks the mold of the narrative of, I guess, what would you call it? The, the, the timeline we live in right now mm-hmm. that, that throws it all off. Because I truly believe, and I think this whole episode is going to be a little testament to that, that our history is completely changed and erased and rewritten to what we are taught in school today. I, I truly don't believe m- most of it is even real. That's one way to think. And oh, okay. And, and I'm being a little extra, but at the extra, end... Extra, extra. Read all about it. At the end of the day, I truly believe most of our history is not real. I mean, what's one of the best sayings? History is written by the winners. Yeah, the victories of war. Won. Oh, they sure it did. It gained so much power that I, I didn't... I knew it was big. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how much power it actually had. Mm-hmm. And it gained power, and it shapes history. Mm-hmm. What it tells you is what's in the book. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, if you go against the book, you can't go against the Smithsonian. It's illegal. No. It's like a. It's almost like a. Its own religion in a way. You can't dis. You, you can't go against what we believe, or you're a blasphemer of science. Basically, you're gonna. You're disrespecting the science god. 
So it's kind of what it's like. We have all these accounts of them having giants and stuff like that. I mean, what do you think? I have only, I'm I'm pretty much done with my stuff for this episode. Like I said, we have part two, which is called the Sonian covering up the giant's Holocaust. Uh, I already got that one named. I don't have this one named yet. So okay. you people know before I do. Uh, so what do you think so far? I just think it just, I mean, I have heard about this stuff all the time because I'm, int- you know, and I think most of our listeners know that I'm into the giants and stuff like that. And Many times I come across Smithsonian Institute at the end of the article. Smithsonian Institute. I can't tell you how many times. I should have started making a book like at the beginning of season one. I'm sure someone has, too. Well, this Duarte's book, I'm going to buy it. Okay, it's got all that stuff. That's, remember what I said? I'll read it again real quick. Give me a second. Um, Keep talking. But with that, my interest in giants already, growing up even. I got it. Okay, what is it? Or, it's Dewhurst, not Dewhart, sorry. Dewhurst. Richard Dewhurst. Uh, ancient giants who ruled America. That's okay. That's what it was. Yeah, that'd be. He did all this research. I'd like to get that my hands on that book too. That would be great. But it just leaves me back to that question: Why? Why hide it? Why cover it up? Why destroy? Why pretend like it never happened? Why pretend like these things never existed? We'll cover that in major, at least for the giant aspects in Jay's next giant episode. Here we go. The North American rulers. Ooh, not the them. Not like the measurement, like the standard. No, it'll be all about measurements. We're talking. We're talking the rulers, ferrets, inches, uh, oh, centimeters. What, what was the arc of the? What was? What was Noah's arc? Not cubits. Uh, oh, like the their their measuring lengths. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was that called? I can't think. It's something like fur. I can't remember. Furrets. One ferret long. Something. I don't know. They just Anyways, continue. measured in bushels and 10-gallon hats. Mm. Um, what was I saying? Uh, so why would they cover this up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That question of why, why. And I I think I truly am always going to lean on, as of right now, my perspective is, it's to hide history, to control your thoughts, the everyday person, to make you think this stuff ain't real, wasn't real, so you... You don't ask questions, and then you're just. It makes it makes you feel at the end of the day a little bit less significant, like you're not as important. So you're not important. Next question for you is why? Why hide it all? You kind of answered it, kind of not, but go into depth what you think. Why this is important for them to have control for their their narrative? Why they need to have this narrative? Because I think the giants, I guess, pokes a hole in their theory of how humans even came about. Or how we developed this land, or how we came to America, or just developed in general, how our species grew in general. They know all that, and they taught all that in school, and so we know how all that happened. But this pokes throws kind of that out the window, and they can't have that. They can't rewrite all the books. That costs too much money. They can't like you feel like there's something else out there to where you might actually know something that you're you know you actually know something truthful that you weren't taught in school. Like you're smarter than the academics. They can't have that either. You can't, you don't know anything. You don't read. You know what I mean? You're just not, it makes you feel like you're less intelligent at the end of the day. Or, and then when you do ask questions, you're the crazy one at this point. And it's all that's, I think to hide our history, to control us in the moment, to keep leading us down whatever path they want us to lead down to control us and our thoughts and our actions and our, 
energy and things like that. It just keeps you in that. It keeps you contained in a box. In a nutshell, I think you were very well spoken. I really, I think that would be a good reason why they want this much control. And I really feel like there's two Smithsonian's, like uh. Like I kind of said earlier, the front of house and back of house. Mm-hmm. I think the front of house has no idea most of the time what's happening in the back of the house. It's the real museum part, mm-hmm. like the actual biological institutes, the you know aviation stuff like that. They're just museums. Mm-hmm. They're just big museums. And then people running them is just running the museum. They don't know, right? I really feel that. So then, when we talk all this, because this is going to sound really bad against the Smithsonian. Yeah, we're not talking about the museum per se. And the people We're talking about that... the, the people in the back that are pulling the strings that are getting these things sent to them. Mm-hmm. So Sony had built up the credit of one of the greatest biological institutes on the planet. So it gets all, it gets access to all the stuff. Yeah. It built up its own legitimacy. Yes. So when that way, when you're like, well, who should we send this to? Smithsonian. Smithsonian. Yeah. Anywhere in the world. It's like advertisement. They just got it ingrained in your brain. Yeah. And they got above the government or on par with the government or they are the government or, you know, the, in some cases, they are. Mm-hmm. Like the senators that sit on the board and stuff like that. I mean, this could be just like a little peek at like behind the curtain of like the secret government or the shadow government or the, what what was it called? What was the, the deep state kind of? This is kind of like a when people refer to that, it's stuff like this. The hidden parts that actually run or control things without you even realizing they're doing it, if that makes sense. Do you think there are people in the government that don't know what the other hand is doing like when you get to the high end like you're a senator you're a congressman you know you're yes there are people that don't know what's going on behind the curtain yes okay i think and i think those are the people that i think are even government coined the term as useful idiots like they so which side do you think's bigger Ooh. in the know or out of the know because i have an article for you that could sway you either way Hmm. i would say out of the know is bigger but the in the know is way more powerful, if that makes sense. Are they more powerful because they're not known about, or are they actually more powerful? I think they're actually more powerful. Okay. I'm just curious what you th- what your I'm, thoughts are. I think it's kind of both. I think they have most of their power because they're not known. That get, grants mm-hmm. them a lot extra power um, to do things like this. Because if people knew about them, there would be a lot. it would be a lot easier to expose and diminish their power or call out their power or you know take it down and if people don't know you have it that's probably the best case scenario like hiding in plain sight so i have one art more and more article for you jay let's hear it just one more just one and for our listeners at home this comes with very heavy conjecture okay this could be fake this could be real i checked multiple fact checking websites and i got still both answers okay so, I don't know. So, use your own discernment. I can't find this U.S. court case, like, well, this U.S. Supreme Court ruling. Oh, okay. I can't, but, you know, is it covered up? Is Because a lot of people talk about it. That they you know, remember hearing about it, and they remember seeing it on TV and stuff like that. Mandela effect. But, yeah, so which way is it, though? Yeah. Did it happen or did it not happen? Mm-hmm. All right. So, the Smithsonian admits to the destruction of thousands of giant skeletons in the early 1900s. Mm. May it be true or may it be false? I've had, like I said earlier, I've had arguments on both sides by legitimate fact-checking websites that a lot of people use to, you know, 
uh, to, to see if it's real or not. Mm-hmm. I've had yes and no's on both. Please don't say Snopes. No, I didn't use Snopes, I don't think. I'm just kidding. I hope you didn't. I don't think I did. Okay, good. Yeah, anyways. So U.S. Supreme Court rules has ruling has forced the Smithsonian Institute to release classified papers dating back to the early 1900s that proves the organization is involved in major historical cover-ups. Mm. So the cover-ups allegedly destroyed evidence showing giant human remains and tens of thousands of un- that have been uncovered all across the Americas. This piece of evidence was ordered to be destroyed by high-level administrators to protect the mainstream chronological of human evolution and its time, according to the court's ruling. Hmm. This alleged Allegedly, this legislation. Oh my gosh, I can't speak. This allegedly, uh, basically, from America's Institute of Alternative Archaeology, that the Smithsonian Institute has destroyed thousands. Basically, they're just fighting. Mm-hmm. These two organizations are fighting. Uh, during the court case, new elements were brought forth to light that shows that several Smithsonian whistleblowers admitted to the existence of these documents that allegedly proved the destructions of ten thousand human remains. So that's kind of, if this is real, mm-hmm. why the, the uh, U.S. court, uh, the federal court, Supreme, oh my gosh, the Supreme Court, you can tell we've been recording for an hour. Yeah. You can tell when my brain melts. Uh, this would be why they were worried, why they could be forced, not that they were believing in the giants, but that one of the, a couple of the whistleblowers were saying like, no, they're destroying tens of thousands of human bodies. And they're like, oh, that's bad. Yeah. And so they wanted to be on the right side of history because it's most likely it was Native Americans. Mm, okay. Uh, if, if you're on the Supreme Court, like, thinking, you know, basically the Smithsonian's destroyed tens of thousands of bodies mm-hmm. found all over North America. That could be a They're problem. probably North America, or they're Native Americans. That could be a lawsuit. That's why this mis- or the U.S. Supreme Court was probably nipping it in the butt before it could grow, get to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you believe this happened. Right. But yeah, so they had all kinds of stuff. Spokesman was James Churchward. We need to find us some ex-Smithsonian uh, backroom guys that are on their deathbed, like just ready to tell it all. Call them in for an interview. If you know anyone out there knows any of your grandpa is like, <laughs> you know, one of them people, send them our way and give him an interview of his life. They, are we, yes, please. Thank you. Uh, so there's all kinds of tidbits from this supposed thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything from a giant femur uncovered in Ohio in 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stuff about the Bering Straits—they covered a bunch of that stuff up. That's the the, the land bridge that formed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just all kinds of stuff. So the, the U.S. Supreme Court has since forced the Smithsonian Institute to publicly release classified information, anything related to the destruction and evidence pertaining to mound building culture. So that's kind of what how they got it through to not say giants. Yeah, mound builders. Mm-hmm. Which, if you study North American, we're going to have a mound builder episode. Yeah, you know that's something I can really get behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so this supposedly happened in 2020. Dang, what else happened in 2020? Uh, COVID. What else was dumped in 2020? Pentagon Papers. Yeah. The UFO papers. The UFO papers, okay. Uh, and nobody cared. Nope. The U.S. government literally admitted that, yeah, the UFOs exist, and we don't know what they are. Yeah. And nobody cared. And same with this. And then it got reburied. That's the way you do it. It was weird with, just to touch on that UFO stuff, 
they did come out hot and heavy. Oh, it's real. It's all over the news, all over the news for two months, like straight, straight. I wouldn't even say two months. Maybe not even like a month straight. You had everything going on. You had the Bob Lazar on Joe Rogan talking about it. You had this new documentary that just came out and explained. You had the guy that was in the documentary go jump on Joe Rogan with Bob Lazar and talk about all this stuff and then stopped. And all of it just stopped immediately. They, okay, we got this one. It's real. We know it's real. And then that's it. And then, like, all the other stuff that just pops up, they just, eh, brush. We won't talk about that. We got this one. So, to my comment earlier mm-hmm. about the majority of the government that knows and the majority that doesn't, this is one example, I think, why the majority of the government does not know. It's because they accidentally bit another member. It's one hand shaking the other. Okay. Uh, it, they did it on accident, it seemed. They thought it was going to be a political thing, so that's why they nipped, were going to nip it in the butt, mm-hmm. if you believe this happened. Yes. Uh, they were going to nip it in the butt, and then once it came out, they're, they're, they were like, crap, you know, why didn't you say something? Yeah. You know. Bury it. Mm-hmm. So Bury it. They had released it in 2020, when everything else was, the world, the world was shutting down. It was on fire, basically. Let's mm-hmm. just say that. So, yeah. What do you think, Jay? messed up you didn't know about that did you i did not i did not but i want to look at through that little that was dig deep for these guys that was a big uh, release too of information you have to dig through all those files oh it was sixteen thousand papers yeah it's tons of stuff because i remember when that whole release came out hopefully you guys listen at home i'd say if you're into this maybe a majority of know about that that big dump of information you have to just dig and dig and dig. There are 68 papers, I believe, I remember the number right, that mm. actually pertain to anything UFO-related. That's it? Yeah. And there was like 16,000 pages Page. were dumped. Yeah. Oh, I'm just saying there's information galore in those. And Most of them were meteorological data. Mm. Oh, you're t- okay, gotcha, yes. So they, that's what you're, I think that's what you're getting at, is they hide the nuggets. Mm-hmm. The stuff they, they're being forced to release, they're like, here, we will bury it so deep in this packet you can read it for six years mm-hmm. and not find it. And then people that do find it, they're going to post it, sure, but it's just pe- people that actually do it. It's mm-hmm. not going to be like a major news source or journalist that's going to expose it for the national audience to get in their right. psyche. Nope. It's it's crazy. It's craziness. I don't know how else to explain it. So I think I'm going to title this episode, Is the Smithsonian Evil? Question mark. Dot, dot. Well, Giant could... cover-up. Bears go missing. How Bears about... cover-up, something like that. Smithsonian, dot, dot. Giant cover-up organization? Or... Bird collectors. Bird collecting institute. Something like that, we'll see. But is the Smithsonian evil? I think their actions lead me to believe in some way shape or form they are on the evil spectrum i think they have bad in- i don't think their intentions are good when it comes to this stuff and keep mine at home we're talking about the whoever is behind the curtain at the, the Smithsonian. people pulling the strings at not the, the curator not joe that mops you know not the guy that sells your ticket right this is just the people that are actually behind the curtain that Get the special boxes. But, hey, Joe, that mops, if you're listening, if you just want to come on here, I'll call you Dave instead. They got any stories to share. Yeah. At one time, they carried in a giant blue guy 
And they stripped all of his skin and ate his bones. <laughs> oh my gosh. They did some weird ritual and had runes written all over the floor. What if that's big the, now what if that is why they went to giant bones? What if they were required for some kind of Ooh, ritual? ritual or sacrifice? Ooh. And they're getting harder and harder to find. Ooh, yeah. It's like a it's like a, a special ancient, ingredient. And it's an ancient drug or something that like will take you to Mars. That's why people friggin' snort Gigantopithecus teeth. <laughs> what? That's why they, the giant Gigantopithecus in Asia, the biggest ape ever. Yeah. That's why they snort their teeth. They snort their teeth? They grind their teeth into dust. Are you making this up? I swear. Okay, because I can't tell. They consume this. it. And they consume it multiple different ways. I'm not joking. They call them dragon teeth soup and stuff like that. Oh my goodness. And they're not dragon's teeth. They're from a big ape. And they would eat their teeth, huh? Oh, they for, gr- for what? All kinds of stuff. You know, it's China. Well, yeah, true, but I they, mean... There's... They think the foreskin of tigers makes them extra virile. Oh, they, it does. I've done that before. Yeah, right. They I think... Just... So, like, there's a big problem with black bear poaching in North America mm-hmm. for their... Uh, oh, gosh, what organ is it? Um, their brain. Gallbladder. Oh. Uh, for the Asian black market. Ooh. For Oh, okay. And sold everything from a virile drug that, you know, help you to... Uh, more confidence it's a different culture i could see them and that's a big problem for north american black bears and it was oh, really be- bad in the 80s i believe it and i can see that now back to smithsonian i could see them actually maybe their bones are containing something a black market trade it doesn't even matter if they contain anything Ooh, i just thought of something yeah what if their bones the giants still contain like dna in them or something oh they do I- and they're using them they're like doing that what's super that? soldier super soldier or just collecting their whatever that that little part that makes them grow super sized or something then they're like trying to sequence that out so they can inject it into you know their offspring or people or make hybrid people who knows to make them giants yeah you know, like you said super soldier imagine you uh you're living in like a uh, i don't know it's a totalitarian government or country all it would take to defeat the giant super soldier would be a slingshot and a pebble. Mm, that's true. The key is the pebble has to be chosen by God. There you go. Now is it mm, interesting? And you got to have a pretty good shot too. Yeah, it's okay. There, uh, never mind. That's a different story. I was going to tell you an Indian tale, but never mind. Okay. So I, you never answered the question. I don't think fully. You kind of hopped on a tangent. Is the Smithsonian evil? I said I did answer it. Kinda. I said I, said I want a definitive yes or no. Their I don't a- want your big loopy questions with fifteen parts. Their actions? Are you, no. Is the Smithsonian evil? Plausible. <laughs> <laughs> I I I think I agreed with your statement that the uh, the back of house, whoever's running the thing, is yeah. probably evil in the, nature. It just the puppeteers. Yeah, they're definitely not. It's not for a good reason. There's no whatever good the that, bones are being used for, yeah. be, why they're being hidden, it's not good. There's no good reason to hide truth, fact, history. There's no good reason to ever hide it. The just the truth. There's no ever a good reason to hide it. Never. Sometimes the truth's ugly. Sometimes it's not. But hiding it is never the answer, ever, because you can't draw the correct conclusions without the truth. Hmm. Word. Word up. Well, now this is at home. I'm going to put it on Spotify. So if you listen to this on Spotify, there will be a survey asking, is the Smithsonian evil? Oh, okay. Now, ask Billy Bones that question. 
Billy Bones is from Sonic Evil. No. I mean, no. <laughs> I forgot the voice. You don't even change your voice. No, he was so shocked. Uh, I mean, I was so shocked that you would even consider such a thing. We are a good institute that only, uh, we we only believe in sunshine and puppies and flowers. And we only do good when we, we uh, collect only history and... Uh, we preserve history, and what we say as history is history. And you, if you don't believe that, you will. Oh, he cut out. I don't know what happened there, everybody at home. But I'm going to see if I can get Jay back on the horn. Jay, do you want to hear, before we go, a weird Smithsonian fact? Uh, yeah. The Smithsonian has a taxidermy blue whale heart, full size. How big is it? Uh, it's twice two of these rooms-ish. What? Tall. Okay. You're talking about the biggest animal ever. Yeah, but that's a big heart. The biggest animal ever is the size of the grain elevator over there. Okay, that's pretty big. You need a lot of you need a lot of heart. All the valves a man can swim through. Hmm. Like Jonas? Who's Jonas? The guy that got ate by the whale. Jonah. His brother. He got eaten by the dolphin. <laughs> Oh, my God. I was close. I was like, who's Jonas? I think I was thinking that Weezer song, My Name is Jonas. Mm. I don't know why. All right, guys. I'm going to ask, is Smithsonian evil or not? You answer, and we'll appreciate it. And I promise the government will not come to your house and make you an addition to the Smithsonian. (laughs) Uh, But once again, thank you guys for listening. Like, share, subscribe, all that stuff. It really helps us out. If you want extra content, we have Patreon. Uh, we also do off the Patreon. We do uh, camp out events, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a vote. You know, you get voting power and a lot of the stuff we do. Power, unlimited power. That's from Star Wars, yeah. right? Yeah. Ah, yeah. Shoot lasers. Uh, join us on Facebook. We do the Cryptids and Coffee every Tuesday morning at nine a.m. Uh, our our time, which is what Jay? Nine a.m. Eastern Standard. Oh yeah. I thought you were just like checking me all no. the time because I'm always late. No. Uh, so yeah, join us. We do evening cryptids and cocktails every once in a while. But yeah, we'll hang out with you guys. All right. You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. Be sure to join us in the next episode where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.